0: Welcome to the Small Business Edge Podcast with Brian Moran. Now here's your host,
1: Brian Moran.
0: Hi everyone and welcome back to the Small Business Edge Podcast. My guest today is Amy Frederick, President of U.S. Benefits and Protection at Principal Financial. Our podcast today is going to focus on the financial conversations that employers and employees in small to mid-sized companies should be having right now. And I'm excited about this because I think there's going to be some great takeaways from today's podcast. So, welcome to the show, Amy Frederick.
1: Thanks, Brian. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: As you know, you are one of my most popular guests. People love the takeaways that you give them. Uh, I get nice feedback from my listeners, so you are always welcome. And and they fantastic.
1: I love that.
0: Yeah, they love hearing about this principal financial well-being index that you promote and I'm a big fan of it because of the information in there. So what I'd love to do is I'd love to kind of your your well-being index your latest well-being index came out at the end of August, right? End of last month. Yes. So I I'd, I'd love to talk about that in specific the challenges and the and the kind of chasm between employers' views of finances and employees' views. Sounds Uh, perfect,
1: yes. I'm
0: gonna read something that I pulled from the, the Wellbeing Index, and then I'll ask you my first question. So according to the latest Principal Financial Wellbeing Index, while both employers and employees' top concerns include rising costs and macroeconomic challenges, employers feel more satisfied with their business's present financial situation than employees feel about their personal finances. And although employees and employers largely report that they're able to meet their respective financial obligations, that doesn't translate into workers feeling as satisfied with their current financial situation. In fact, only 34% of employees are always or often satisfied about their personal finances compared to more than 70% of employers who are always or often satisfied about their business's finances. So what do you make of that?
1: Yeah. So uh, it's it's an interesting finding and it's one that honestly bothers me a little bit. Um mm-hmm. I I love the fact that, you know, when you stop, just looking at business owners and kind of those employers and that perspective, when you stop there, there's some great things happening. So they they're even more confident than last year. Their cash flow by and large is looking pretty darn good. They feel comfortable that their local situation around um, factors in the economy have stabilized a little bit. There's maybe even a little bit less uncertainty right around them in terms of their community, their, their local environment. So all those are good signs. So then why, and again, your question is a great one, why then when you go down to the employee population are they saying they're not quite as confident? They are still a little bit stressed. The the answers that we're coming up with, it again, I'll give you kind of a technical answer, and then I'll give you a broader answer. But one of the technical answers is we continue to find a lot of confidence and reliance from employees that they want their employer to help them. They look at them as a credible source of information, and they kind of want their help in getting their own house in order. So it's not just a, I pay you wages, you do work. It's it's a bigger, more meaningful relationship than that. But what they're coming back and saying is, there's still in some cases, 30, 40% of them saying, okay, my employer put this retirement thing in place. So I can save for retirement, I don't have any idea how it works. So they're saying, I don't have any idea how it works, like 30% of them. I'm not participating in a benefit I have access to, because I'm not understanding how it works. So I think what we're hitting is that employers and employers are probably like, oh, great, I have more work to do now. But, but if employers can use the resources more effectively to get that information down to employees, like how they save, how they protect, how they use the things the employer is already helping pay for or making available to them, they need to technically understand how that benefits them more. And they're not putting that together think the other piece that's more of a feeling to this is they're still seeing daycare challenges. They still don't have the answers for elder care. They mm. still don't have the answers for the things they want to, to purchase on a day-to-day level. They're still feeling a little uncertain about some of the inflationary pressures. They're feeling uncertain about... Um, care for their parents. They're feeling uncertain about care for their children. So those things you could argue are not directly related to their work. Right. But those are the things that people bring to work. They bring it to work in their heart and in their head and in their stress levels. And so those are the things that if we can systemically help people understand and influence the options on how to understand how they do those things better, they're going to end up, feeling better so that optimism that employers have has to trickle down more to their employees so more work to do for all of us
0: well there is a huge upside to employers if they're able to help their employees in that fashion right i mean all of a sudden your presenteeism level goes through the roof your engagement versus disengagement levels go you know way up but is that opening pandora's box for an employer when you, you commit to, you know, working with the whole employee, right? The, the 360 degree view, because in certain cases, it's financial. Other cases, it's mental health and or it could be something else. I mean, do you, I, I've always struggled with this when, when, when clients and, and people ask me about what should I do? Should I just be a good boss or should I be a, a great leader? And And here's my point. advice,
1: and it's not perfect. It doesn't really have to be an either or. So okay. in in my mind, my best advice on this is start small. So let me give you a really really specific example. So if you work with a great you know insurance or group benefits provider, and they're providing you with a, a group life uh, benefit. So if one of your employees, would pass away, there's a benefit for the beneficiaries. Okay, it is in everyone's best interest if there's a will, if they know who the beneficiary is. So it's also in the insurance company's best interest to understand that they've designated a beneficiary. So what that means is often when you purchase those products, there's value added things like will preparation services that are available for free. For Mm -hmm. the employees just because the employer has made that great decision to make that benefit available. So even things as simple as looking at your existing coverages and saying, does that give me access to will preparation services that I can communicate to my employees? Does that give me access to employee assistance programs? So if you have a disability coverage, often that comes with that value add piece of that employee assistance program. So do you get three calls a year with that employee assistance program that you could use to help locate or isolate out childcare options to help understand grief and stress counseling? So m- as a small practical level, you don't have to open Pandora's box into exactly. saying, I'm going to help take care of every bit of your life. But you can go a little bit deeper with your current commitments and say, there's even more here that I can help you on a day-to-day basis with? So, so there's practical, small things employers should ask. If they've got the right partners working with them, they should have some of these other value adds, like will preparation services and employee assistance programs.
0: I love that. And yeah, that's a, that's so that takes the onus off of the employer and says, look, I will provide this coverage for you and, and, you know, you're going to have to do some homework. You're going to have to participate in conversations. But these are conversations that you should be having.
1: Correct. And so it, it isn't the employer has to do everything. If you're working with the right partners and those partners are really focused on both the employer and the employee experience, there's going to be things to utilize that help with that.
0: Well, and, and, all right. So let's go there. What What tools have you seen that have had the most impact? Uh, once employees start to use them?
1: So there are, uh, this sounds so basic. I'm just going to tell you it sounds basic. I love basic. Okay. There are um, literally budgeting tools. There are, and if that budgeting tool starts to see that there's a, you know, you ran a calculator, one of the biggest expenditures is something that's going to look like a child or an elder care, the best ones I've seen then point you to other resources that are free or automatically available. And so the ones that have been the simplest tools are the ones that are integrated into, I'm gonna call them free services. Now, often they're services that have a public-private partnership. So there's a, there's a you might find in the end that the small business administration is actually helping with the facilitation of something, or you might find that there's actually part of. Um, you know, health and human services that Mm -hmm. has some sort of an ability to fund at a community level. But it's where those tools like basic budgeting tools start to connect with public private partnerships that you start to get the best results. And people are like, oh, that's a free service I have right here in my area. And I didn't even think about utilizing that.
0: So how do how do employers utilize these tools? to attract and retain employees.
1: So you probably, if you're an employer, you probably worked with someone who Mm -hmm. recommended, if you want to put a group benefit in place, or you want to put a retirement benefit, or you want to put a medical benefit in place, you worked with an intermediary to someone in the middle. Mm -hmm. Go back to that intermediary, that broker, that advisor, that financial planner, and say, besides just the protection I get from this, what else comes with this? Literally, start with that basic of a question. Mm-hmm. What other resources? Does Principal, for example, if Principal is your your carrier, does Principal have a landing site that's dedicated towards small businesses? Again, the the great partners, the answer is going to be yes. Mm. So going back before you need those services, understanding what we can do prior to having a claim. Because again... The claims are going to be the things that happen the least often. The need to understand how it helps provide protection is going to be the thing that happens all the time. Mm-hmm. So the best tools can be reached by landing pages, calculators, and they're going to be available from often the, the carrier, the insurance company who's provided that benefit, but your broker, advisor or financial professional is going to have should have the insight to know, here's where you go. Go back and look at these sources and places.
0: Now, as an employer, is it possible for them to see, and maybe there's a confidentiality portion of it, but is there a way for them to see in aggregate form how many of their employees have used certain services?
1: Yes and no. There's certainly going to be, you You want to know, you know, that privacy is going to be respected. Right. You're never going to pass on claims data. But when I think of like utilization of like, um, let's say dental insurance, yeah. there's a great connection between overall health Mm -hmm. and oral health. I mean, it sounds kind of crazy, but great studies exist that taking care of your teeth actually means you're taking care of other parts of your body well. So that connection, asking for how many of my employees are actually utilizing? In aggregate, they're not going to give you specifically like, you know frank or janie or whatever went right, went to right, the dentist right. but in aggregate what is the utilization of some of these certainly what is the participation in a 401k program like a savings program right. that is readily available and
0: and maybe how many people have tapped into uh the budget calculator that you were talking right. I would just, as an employee, would want to see, okay, this is being utilized, which is great. Maybe this is being underutilized. And so, I should bring this to my employees' attention that this is not necessarily a free service. It's free to them, but I'm paying for it as part of my group benefits program. Correct. So, use it because it doesn't cost you any money.
1: Yep. And I would say there's, um, and I'm going to bring in even a I'm going to bring in a little bit of a a gender, male and female dynamic here, Mm -hmm. is that one of the things we continue to see is that female business owners are carrying with them kind of higher levels of stress Mm -hmm. and less likelihood that they're saying, I feel really informed. So one of the things we've got to do, regardless of gender, regardless of age, regardless of generation is go back to the financial professional who made recommendations about these programs and say, what am I not asking you about? You, you have resources that you've got to press further to say, what would be the next best question I should ask? What should be the next best question? And again, if you're working with the right partners, you're going to get good direction from that.
0: All right. What are some things that employers either shouldn't do or should give serious consideration to? when they're thinking about supporting access to financial security for their employees, right? There's gotta be a, uh, you know, 10 do's and 10 don'ts.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There are definitely some do's and don'ts. And let me just give you a couple. Um, I would say a don't is, um, and this is really tempting, especially for smaller business owners. Mm -hmm. Don't, um, build an entire program about one employee's issue. Do try to understand across your employees themes that you see emerging um, Mm -hmm. commonalities of where people have issues or questions and then bundle up those themes. Too often, the employer, especially small employers, are like, hey, this happened to me once, and now I'm worried it could happen to someone else. So I'm going to create my entire benefit design okay. around this thing that happened to me once when a dental claim got denied. You know, we yeah. I have conversations like that all the time. And my so my don't is don't let one experience or one employee's need take over your entire plan design. Make sure, do, make sure you have regular ability to gather information from your employees so that you're able to see your own trends. Those conversations... So someone at a business owner actually came back to me later and said, You know what? I only employ 19 people. You actually told me to go talk to all 19 people. I ended up getting two things that were about the benefits program that I had in place that I made changes on, but I ended up learning three things that I was doing wrong about technology and how I had them set up for scheduling. So the other do is open up the conversation enough that even if it starts with like, what do you think about benefits? What do you think about where you've got gaps? It turns into operations can be better. Technology can be better. We can have better communication this way. So so the biggest do there is do schedule regular, not performance-based, but regular business feedback-based conversations with your own employees.
0: I love that. I love that. I would say quarterly. It is uh, like a lunch and learn or a breakfast meeting or something like that where...
1: Uh, yeah. And sometimes they take 10 minutes and sometimes yeah. you, you have two hours worth of content that you're like, wow, not only did I see something about my dental benefit or my health benefit that I had no idea was causing pain or that people loved, I also find out things about how we're working with customers that isn't working very well.
0: Yeah, yeah. I bet you AI would come up in a conversation, right? Oh, I think <laughs> Once it <or> would. Twice.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think it would.
0: All right. First of all, I love your advice for employers to really, you know, take care of their employees, but do it in a way where they don't carry the entire burden on their shoulders that you say, look, I I'm I'm you know, providing this, these employee benefits to you. So they cost me money, but they're free to you. Please do me a favor and take advantage of them, all of them, right? While while you Got can. And, and again, and,
1: we continue to get data that says they are not doing that, either because they don't understand it or they're afraid to ask questions about it.
0: Ask the questions. That that yep. is fantastic. So and, and
1: again, sometimes the employer has to give them the opening, the discreet opening. To ask the question,
0: right, right, and they could ask, they could, you could have your 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 broker come in, or your advisor come in, and give a whole presentation. Here are ten things you're not using in your current employee benefits plan. Love that. Yes. Did you did you not you know you have it? I remember seeing them, that was, this was years ago, but it was you know three things that I'd like to add to my employee benefits plan. It was a, a survey among these companies, and they said like over sixty percent of the answers were things that they already had.
1: We consistently see that. That's exactly right. That that really, someone might be saying it slightly differently, but in the current design of the benefits they have, the majority of the needs already have a place where you can meet them. People just aren't using them that way.
0: That's crazy. That's yeah. crazy. All right, let's. I want to, but we're kind of in the home stretch a little bit. But I I, I want to get to the well-being index because it's one of my favorite things when it comes out. So you had the the latest well being index survey come out last month. Were there any surprises? Like, what what, what, what were some surprises that uh, you saw in it, if there were any?
1: Well, yeah, there are, there are always surprises. So one big surprise was we keep waiting. You know, there is this. Continual, there's a recession coming, and there's <laughs> bad news coming, yeah. and there's this yeah. thing coming. Yeah. So we keep kind of waiting for business owners of all sizes to be like, "Oh yeah, I have cash flow concerns. Yep, I have, um, you know, concerns about the growth of my business. Do I have more customers now than I did a year ago?" So the surprise continues to be that essentially business of all sizes are saying, "Nope, this year looks better than last year." Yep, cash flow looks stable. So the surprise is that you know we've talked a little bit before kind of that main street versus wall street. Yeah. Main street is telling us that things continue to look good, not just from their sentiment but truly from their business growth. Now, I'm going to put a big caveat on that and we mm-hmm. touched on it a little bit. So, so something like we're asking more questions. About employer stress. You know, how is employer stress? Here's the great news from a year ago, employer stress is down. And that's great. We've seen that drop back off kind of since the pandemic, since everyone was shifting their business model and worried about, you know, health of their business, health of their employees. The stress has started to trickle down. That stress is not trickling down evenly between males and females. So female business owners are still seeing a level of stress, even though it went down a little bit year over year, it's Mm -hmm. still markedly higher than so. So like the example would be 63 percent of of female employers, business owners, those principals, primaries or partners in the firm say that they're more stressed, but only 42 percent of the males do. So it's a it's a marked difference. And so I have to say it's it's surprised. It, it's not totally surprising to us, but the difference between the two is surprising enough that we're doing some more research to dig into that. Because again, as a great podcast host, your next question to me is gonna be, why is that, Amy? What what is going on there? Yeah. I, yeah. And so our answer right now is I don't think we understand that well enough.
0: It makes me think of a quote, and I'm going to apply it to moms. Okay. You're only as happy as your unhappiest child. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for women business owners, and I've dealt with a lot of them over my career, is that uh, they take on the stresses of their employees and their partners and their vendors. So if somebody comes to them and shares with them that you know, they're worried about this or that. They take on that stress as if it's their own.
1: Okay, Brian, you're totally onto something here because employee stress has not decreased. Yeah, Employee stress is still as high or maybe even slightly higher than it was. And so, I, I think what we're seeing is some divide in who's taking that and internalizing that into yeah. running the business and who's maybe separating that a little bit into the yeah. running of the business. Men
0: are a little more callous.
1: <laughs> I, no, I'm not saying that. No, I, I, am,
0: I, I, I am. No, it, you know what it's, it, it's but, and I, I mean, I've dealt with, like I said, a lot of women business owners and I, I have one right now who is, She's going to have the best year she's ever had, but there's been a dip in in it for the last few months. I told her you could you could stop today and you'll make more money than you've ever had in business. You could literally take the rest of the year off. So why are you so worried? And it's it's she's dealing with the stresses of her employees. And I said, "Okay, but can't you treat them like at an arms length? Do you have to carry their stress home with you at night?" So this, I've heard this firsthand to a lot of times. And I know with male employers and business owners, they're thinking, you know what? I got enough in my bucket already. I can't I can't take this home with me. I'm going to leave this in the office. I'll come back and I'll pick it up tomorrow.
1: So I think what's reinforcing the main point that we've been talking about here today, which is if you can help the employee, mm-hmm. if you can get their Stress levels managed. If you can kind of look at that whole employee, you're going to end up with something that probably also benefits the employer.
0: Again, you're you're only as happy as your unhappiest employee, right? Yeah. In many, in many cases. If you if they if, if you're a small business owner and they've been working with you for a while, chances are they're like family. And so if they're going through a rough time, you know, it's going to be on your mind as well. You're better off proactively dealing with the situation rather than reactively having, you know, suddenly a $5 problem becomes a $5,000 nightmare, as I like to say, you know, boy, I should have nipped this in the bud early. I should have taken time to help the employee. And now it's kind of, it's spread into the work and it's kind of spread out among the employees. Um,
1: And I I think one of the points you made at the beginning is really true here. When we go after sort of that employee experience and managing the things that are keeping them from being as present, as productive, what you get is you get an amazing pass-through to your customer experience. You get an amazing pass-through to um, just sort of a business uplift people around them like working together better, their interactions with their customer, have more patience, more positivity. And then you end up sort of creating this virtuous cycle for your business by Mm -hmm. starting with that employee. So again, a surprising note for me is that, and a very pleasant note, is that employers are at the right place. They're at the right headspace. Their business is actually running pretty darn well. We've just got to do more work to translate that practically down to how the employees view both the stability of the business and how they do their work.
0: My last question before we know it we're going to be, you know, upon the holiday season and we know that brings a whole lot of celebrate celebration, opportunity, angst, stress, it's everything gets heightened, right? In the in the final few months of the year. What advice could you give to uh, business owners as we head into the holiday season and kind of looking into your crystal ball? You know, here's one thing that they should be aware of, be cognizant of, or stay on top of.
1: Yeah. So, So one of the things is often getting yourself into a position where you've done some communicating about the health of your business, the status of your growth, the Confidence that you have around your business, your community, how they're functioning. If you do those messages more in October, kind of ahead of some of that November and December crush, they're less likely to be lost. So, doing some of your reflecting on the year communications, Mm -hmm. particularly if you have really strong messages to put forward to your employee population, if you do that closer to October than in December, The indications are it gets heard more and it then infuses some energy into the end of the year. The other piece I would say is that I think there's this, no matter what size business you run, there's always sort of this thought that you don't, you know, we got to keep people focused. We can't can't worry about this, you know, spilling over. Life spills over all the time. So I think to the extent business owners are comfortable expressing their joys, expressing their successes, expressing some of their fears, and then they ask their employees to sort of join with them through the end of the year on that journey. When employees feel included, when they feel like someone has asked or that their employer needs their help, they indicate higher engagement. So the other piece of advice, I would say, is open them up into your journey as the business owner. Tell them a little bit more about your joys and your fears, and then make it a journey that you're going to go on together. And if you do that prior to everything feeling crazy in December, you're often going to have the position to have that clean breath of air in January of the next year.
0: Wow. That's beautiful. That's, that's We're going to end it right on that note. Fantastic. You know, I, I really love that. And I think that's great advice for all my listeners. Uh, many of them have employees, you know, some will have five, some have you know, 500, right. but I think they can all learn something from what you just said and the takeaways. So thank you. You Amy bet. Frederick, um, us, uh, president of benefits and protection at principal financial has been my guest today on the small business edge podcast and. I would highly recommend, and I'll even put them in the resources page, some previous podcasts that I've done with Amy on previous well-being index surveys that Principal's done. It's They're fantastic conversations. So, I definitely want to have you back on. We just have to figure out maybe around the next well-being index survey, we'll do it again. We'll become like buddies, yeah. well-being index buddies.
1: <laughs> I love it. And Brian, thanks for what you do. Yeah, I I listen to your words of wisdom, and I know that the, the business owners that you help and talk to, they're running better businesses because they listen to the things you have to offer. So thanks. Thanks for curating a great set of advice.
0: All right. Well, now we're going to end on that note.
1: Yeah, there you go.
0: <laughs> and I'm going to put it on my resume. Thank you. Thank Thanks you, for being Brian. Such a great guest. Thank you for being a really a true champion for small business owners everywhere. Uh, I love the work that you and Principal do, and uh, just keep keep up the great work. And to our listeners, I hope you took a lot of notes. There are some absolutely fantastic needles in in all of the haystacks that you're looking in for ways to help your employees to better communicate with them to better provide them with better financial security. Boy, you just got about a dozen and a half gold needles from Amy Frederick. So pull them out, put them into use, and it will help you run a better business. And until next week, when we have another edition of the Small Business Edge podcast, take care everybody and have a great day. You've been listening to the Small Business Edge podcast with Brian Moran. Please visit our website, smallbusinessedge.com, for a listing of future podcasts.